This episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by nobody because advertisements suck. So even if you're watching this on YouTube, the show is 100% advertisement free. Enjoy. The Minimalists. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And my name is Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. Now, Ryan, we all know that our memories aren't in our things. Our mm. memories are inside us, yet... Often we hold on to our material possessions in an attempt to hold on to our memories. And today we're going to talk about why we do this and what we can do to hold on to our memories without holding on to the stuff. Memory is a really slippy, slippery thing, Ryan. Mm. Uh, I, I've, I realized this when I was a little kid, actually. Um, when we, were, we lived in Dayton. We moved 20 miles south to a suburb of Dayton to this really junky apartment complex. But on the edge of this apartment complex... There was this like wooded area. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, I must have been six years old at the time, about Ella's age. Mm -hmm. And I wandered out because this is back when it wasn't illegal for children to wander (laughs) freely. (laughs) (laughs) And I was wandering through this, this wooded area, Ryan. And I came across the most majestic waterfall. Mm. In Warren County, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that waterfall. Wink, wink. Yeah, it was giant. I mean, it was a gorgeous waterfall. It yeah. was majestic. Yeah. And I still remember it to this day. What the waterfall looked like. Yes, I yeah. can remember it vividly because it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I went back as a young adult and tried to find this waterfall. And of course, it doesn't exist. Right. There might be a creek back there or some runoff from sewage. I don't know what it was, but... <laughs> I feel like this show is going into a, a false memories episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are talking about memories today, and I think that's that's a weird thing. Like That was so true to me. Now, mm-hmm. what... I know, I know that it's not actually there. So we, we sometimes talk about different types of truth. There are sort of these these things that we believe to be true. Like I believed that water, I, I, but I also know better. I know that waterfall doesn't actually exist. Right. I was probably as, as a six year old, I probably had a dream. Yeah. And yeah. and it was so vivid, especially when you're six. Like all these dreams are so vivid yeah. that I remembered it as as a real event yeah. uh, and then just recently so this isn't just a something for kids um, Bex and I were talking about this medication I was prescribed by a doctor mm-hmm. a few years ago and uh, and she's like how long did you take that I'm like I remember taking it for 90 days mm. she's like I swore I, th- I could have swore you, you took it for a couple of years and I'm mm. like no I took it for 90 days I'm certain of it yeah She's like, I'm pretty sure. And so I call up Walgreens and I'm like, hey, uh, I know I don't th- take this prescription anymore, but how long did I take? And they're like, yeah, it was just over two years. Wow. And I, I, I mean, I'm certain even now I'm like, no, I didn't. Yeah. But I, but I, I know that's not true. And so the, the memories are often things that, that we create. And we've got several questions yeah. about memories today. Also, I should probably say that on the maximal today, Ryan, I want to talk to you about, um, 
COVID-19. I'm invincible now. <laughs> I had COVID-19. You're invincible, at least for four months. <laughs> no, it's funny with memories. It makes me think about the shoebox that I had of high school stuff during the packing party. Uh-huh. And how I never opened that box until I was confronted with all my things. And when I opened it up, I was like, why the hell am I holding on to this? But mm. the memory of the shoebox, when I thought about it, it was like nostalgic, took me back, and oh yeah, there's that cool shot glass that they gave us for a senior year prom. And what other things were in the box? Do you remember? Uh, some letters that my mom wrote in high school. Uh, some pictures of like me and my high school girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt, you know, I always felt like she was the one that got away. But when I was like looking through those memories, I'm like, this is not. The, the thought of the memories were better than the actual memories when I confronted the, when I confronted the memories. Mm. So yeah, I mean, to your point of we, with our memories, we, uh, yeah, th- th- we, we exaggerate them. We make them, we make things to be more than what they are. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's funny. It's yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, again, I think this is going into like a false memory podcast where we can talk about how, uh, you know, you could totally have a, re- a memory that you could pass a lie detector with. Yes. But it's it's not. But it's actually not real. I think that you could have given that waterfall lie detector to me right now, and there's a good chance I would pass it because yeah. I do remember it. And so, yeah, I do want to talk about memories. We have a bunch of questions from our audience today, so let's go ahead and dive in. The first one today is from Brittany in Dallas, Texas. I'm holding on to things for um, my daughter. She's three right now, and I have things like my wedding dress that, like, I'm thinking about holding on to in case she wants to wear it maybe one day when she gets married. What do you guys think about stuff like that? Brittany, I've got good news for you. There's not a daughter in history who wants the who wants their mother to save their wedding dress <laughs> and then wear it later. I've I've actually uh, talked, there might be one. No, I've surveyed all the daughters. <laughs> you surveyed all the daughters yes. in the world. Uh, I it was a Facebook survey. I don't think we should support child abuse on this show. <laughs> <laughs> and if you that's a disclaimer. <laughs> yes. And if you're gonna save a bunch of stuff for your kids, um yeah, that is you're not saving it for your kids actually. You're you're saving it for yourself because what you're thinking is, oh, if I was my child, then maybe I would want this. Um, and I'm totally, obviously, kidding about the child abuse thing. I know that she, Brittany has the best of intentions that she wants to uh, pass on some. What what <laughs> what do they call them? Heirlooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but 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 seriously, she wants to pass on some family heirlooms, and that is that's that's uh, the best of intentions. But man, mm-hmm. like, why would you throw a bunch of stuff on your kids? Mm-hmm. I mean, that I can't tell you how many times we've had people at our events, and they're like, "I le- my parents left me all this stuff, and I don't know what to do with it. I know that they wanted me to have it, mm-hmm. but it's not adding value. But I don't want to hurt their feelings. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, this is happening countless times. Yeah. Right? In fact, we've written about it in, in the book that we've got coming out next year. Uh, love people use things. We, we talk about some sentimental things that other people have dealt with outside of us. And I think there's a common theme there, Ryan. The common theme is, man, I hate having to deal with other people's stuff because I already have enough of my own stuff to deal with. And when your stuff becomes my stuff, I just have more stuff that I'm forced to confront. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't curate some things that we can pass down to future generations sure. if we want. But We also have to realize if we're going to pass those things down that they don't have to accept them and you have to be okay with that. And so as you're curating these things, be really careful about 
talking to your kids about mm-hmm. what you're holding on to, why you're holding on to it, and letting them understand, letting them know that, by the way, if you decide you don't want this, mm-hmm. that's fine. I'll go ahead and get rid of it for you so you don't have to deal with it. Now, yes. Now, now, Ryan, you and I have, have a few rules. We have a, actually, Brittany, I'm going to recommend you download the free ebook. And by, by the way, anyone can download this for free. It's over at theminimalists.com slash rulebook. It's called The Minimalist Rulebook, 16 Rules for Living with Less. And I thought about three of the rules in there, Ryan, that really mm. stood out to me that I think are applicable to Brittany. And they all, these three rules sort of tie together. The first one is the very first rule we ever came Came up with, and it was the 2020 rule, or we call it the just in case rule, right? Mm-hmm. And and so what that rule means is we hold on to many things just in case. We hold on to tens of thousands of just in case items. Oh, hold on to that just in case. Well, I mean, what what is Brittany saying right here, Ryan? Uh, I'm going to hold on to this wedding dress just in case my little daughter wants it 25 years from now. That's quite the commitment for a just-in-case item. Yep. Now, the problem isn't one wedding dress. If you want to hold on to one wedding dress, not a big deal. Yeah. It doesn't take up a ton of space. I mean, it takes up a lot of space, but not a ton yeah. of space. But the problem is that we justify that one thing, and it's like, well, if I'm holding on to the wedding dress, I should obviously hold on to this painting or this portrait or this box of stuff stuff, whatever it is, I should hold on to all these things just in case. And we, 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 we hold on to them, not knowing what their place is going to be in the future. It's just sitting in a box in an attic, a garage, a basement, a closet, a spare bedroom, collecting dust. No one's getting any value. What do you from think? Of, what do you think about if Brittany, let's say she's got a wedding dress. She's got, you know, 10, let's say she's got a thousand items. Who cares? Let's just a thousand wedding dresses, a thousand and one wedding dresses. And she really is, she has this feeling of like, my kids are going to want this. Yeah. So uh, it is a just in case type thing. Um, what, like when does she approach the child to say, hey, I've got this stuff for you. Do you want it? Sure. Um, to, to give them, to, to, to help them make a decision to see if they actually do want it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the kid says no, then she can go and get and get rid of everything. Because that you said that earlier, like that's the key. Yeah. Like if I, your kids don't want it, you got to get rid of it. I like, can tell you what, what, I, what I would do. I I would not I would not approach a prepubescent kid asking them whether or not, not I should hold on to something to them. That's totally. And, and so if yeah. your daughter is is you know, 13, 14, and she's becoming a young woman, and then you can she can start making those adult decisions yeah. around the things that she might. I, want. I just hate to recommend Brittany hold on to stuff for fourteen years. No, absolutely yeah. not. And, and and that's why I say there there are no there are no kids who really wish they could have worn their mother's yeah. wedding dress. I've seen yes, people it, frame it and like put, hang it in the dining room and like, oh, that's my mother's wedding dress. Yeah. But it, it, it means something to them, which is great. You know, like it, it does mean something to them. Well, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. It means something to them. And, and by the way, I just, I, I got into um, a, a bit of an argument with the editor of our, our book because uh, he was talking about like letting go of sentimental items, and even he has this problem with with letting go of, mm-hmm. of sentimental items. And he's like, "Well, these things have so much meaning." And I'm like, "Well, of course they do. They have whatever." But you can say that about anything, right? This pen has meaning. If you give it meaning, this it's is from our podcast studio. It, you could absolutely. Josh it, Milburn touched this pen. The, I wouldn't touch that pen. You touched it. <laughs> um, actually, I'm COVID free now. Give me that pen. I'm invincible, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I could have unprotected sex with anyone. And not get COVID. Um, oh no, we'll, we'll talk more about the COVID stuff because uh, actually I, I suffered with it for about eight days, but we'll, we'll go into that later on the maximal. Anyway, I want to get back into to Brittany here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the question is what, memor- what memories 
and what meaning mm -hmm. are we assigning to these items? It's very easy for us to assign it. Anything is a sentimental item yeah. if we uh, approach it with sentimentality. Yeah. There's Dude, something th tweetable with that. That car, the Toyota Corolla that I finally got rid of. Yes. Dude, it, it was had so sentiment. hard to let go. And then I came in the next day and you're like, did you have the car? We should have got rid of it a certain way. I'm like, no, like, do not bring this back up for me. Well, I wanted to blow it up. Yeah. And like do like a movie trailer with <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Someone said I should have auctioned it. Um, but I actually, I would have felt really bad about selling. And maybe I would have donated it to charity or something. But let's say someone would have paid me twice what that car is worth just because it was our car. Yeah. That went on tour with us. Yeah. Um, I just I wouldn't feel good about that. I mean, it was it was it's you know in the first documentary it was it was this thing and I could so this is actually a really good example, Ryan. We assign sentiment yeah. to that item. There are a lot of memories that it triggers. Now mm -hmm. that's the important thing to note here. Our memories are not in our things, no matter what. There's no memory in that pen. There's no memory inside this cup. But sometimes they can trigger the memories that are inside us. And for your car, that triggers all kinds of memories. Now, here's the good news about that, Ryan. We have endless video footage of us in that car. Yeah. If we ever want to trigger those memories, we can do that. Now, someone has uh, someone had a question on on social media about the what about the items that require a tactile experience? And uh, you know what I said to that person? Give me three examples. Mm -hmm. You know what their answer was? Mm. Silence. Crickets. The, the, the thing is, there may be something that requires a tactile experience for you to remember it, but uh, for it to trigger the memory. But quite often that... Uh, I can't think of one. I, I absolutely can't think of one. By the yeah. way, if you can think of one, leave a comment on yeah. YouTube. I'd, I'd love to have this conversation with you. Mm -hmm. A couple other rules for you, Brittany, in that rule book that will help. I mean, I think all 16 rules will certainly help you out here. They're, they're rules and tactics to help you live a simpler life. So we talked about the just-in-case items. Uh, what that rule amounts to, 20, we call it the 2020 rule, anything you get rid of just-in-case, you can replace for less than $20 and less than 20 minutes from wherever you are. Now, for me and Ryan, that it's I've used that rule five times in the last decade. So I've sp spent about $100 because at first that rule sounds like a rule of privilege. Like, right. oh my God, I'm oh, you only spend $20 a day on every just-in-case item I need to replace? No, the truth is you will get rid of 10,000 just-in-case items and you might have to replace five over the course of the next decade. Yeah. For me, it was like a pair of scissors, a potato peeler, like th these random things where I'm like, I'll never need that again. A and potato then, peeler? Yeah. Is it just peel potatoes? Uh, well, you could peel carrots with it too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a separate peeler for carrots. <laughs> I was gonna ask you, like, how many peelers do you have? Like, they, I mean, not a lot of cross contamination. I, I know I'm OCD, but I've got like a purple potato peeler, a white potato peeler. Um, yes, it, no, and, and so um, the point is that hundred dollars gave. I spent a hundred dollars on this rule. Over a decade. I just can't believe you spent $20 on a freaking peeler. No, I'm saying less than $20, oh. right? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, those, that $100 gave me permission to let go of tens of thousands of other items. So the next rule is the just for win rule. And so we like to make a difference, uh, show a difference between just in case items, just for win items. A just in case item is a wedding dress. I'm going to hold on to this for 14 more years just in case my daughter wants it 25 years from now or whatever it might be. Well, you that's not going to be used in a definitive future. There are other items that are just for win items. You don't buy your um, toilet paper one square at a time. Mm -hmm. You don't buy your toothpaste one nurdle at a time. <laughs> what 
it's a nurdle. That's the little dab of toothpaste on your on your on your toothbrush. It's okay. called a nurdle. So nurdle and dab one, are one unit synonymous, interchangeable. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a more specific yeah. word for toothpaste. It's a nurdle. But you wouldn't buy your toothpaste one nurdle at a time. That would mm-hmm. be extremely inconvenient. Now, one thing about this pandemic, Ryan, it's forcing us to hoard some things in a very strange way. So I show up to I went to Target to buy. I, and it was almost out of paper towels, almost out of toilet paper. Mm-hmm. So I show up, right? And uh, also I needed uh, some like what are the Clorox wipes or whatever. And so I show up there and they have one option. It's a 28 pack of toilet paper. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what am I going to, you're asking me to hoard toilet paper now. Yeah. It's interesting. Like toilet paper is coming back, but it's, it is only like one option. Right. That, yeah. That you have. I'm really concerned about your purely dealer, dealer, Josh. My, I'm, I'm, my what? Your peeler dealer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you in contact with my peeler dealer because mm-hmm. I think you're getting ripped off on your peelers, man. <laughs> I don't need another one now, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> or just for when I need to peel pot- potatoes. Actually, here's the thing. So so um, I, I look at both of those rules. The just for when rule just tells me there are certain things that I know I'm going to use in a definitive period of time. Usually those things fall under what, Ryan? The 90-90 yeah. rule, which is another rule that is in that ebook. So have I used this thing? We also call it the seasonality rule. Have I used this thing in the last 90 days? Am I going to use it again in the next 90 days? And if I say no to both of those things, I give myself permission to let go. There's one last rule that I want to mention here, Ryan, and you, you can check out the rest of the rules in that free ebook. It's the emergency item rule. Mm. And so there are some things, there are some just-in-case items that I've told myself it's okay to hold sure. on to. Uh, having a... Um, gas generator in your closet. <laughs> <laughs> it just generates gas? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought, I thought actually, Podcast Sean was the gas no, generator. It's, it's, it's a joke is like we would never have a generator, but actually that it might be appropriate to have a generator like possibly for, for emergencies it's yeah, not to, appropriate for me but yeah. if it's appropriate for you great i mean and so just in case i'm having a, a first aid kit and that's what's great about these rules it helps you determine what's appropriate for you exactly. this should be the jfm rule the just for milburn rule <laughs> there you go <laughs> uh, or just for men yeah just for men um no, so uh I, I know the hair care company is very mad about my twitter handle it's at jfm and oh. they, i think they wanted it dude you could um, sell it to them <laughs> <laughs> Not for less than fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, uh, no, just kidding. So anyway, uh, the emergency item rule tells me that it's okay for me to have a first aid, a first kit. aid kit. Yeah. You know, when we were in Montana, it was okay for me to have jumper cables, emergency and blanket, emergency blanket, water, flares, a semi-automatic machine gun. <laughs> Just for, I mean, just in case. I I don't know. Semi-automatic machine gun. Yeah, that doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, no. No. Anyway, all right. Automatic machine gun. Yeah. (laughs) All right, there we go. Uh, We have another question here from Anne in Santa Monica, California. My question is about letting go of um, parents' belongings. Um, My father passed away a few years ago and I was the executor of his estate and um, I also inherited a bunch of things like his um, books and certificates and records and also a large collection of journals that he had written um, over the course of his life. I've only looked at three or four of the journals um, there, you know, he had, as we all do, an up and down um, life experience, and um, I 
there I have a box of them and I I don't know what to do with them. I personally would like to let go of them, but there's a part of me that thinks or my sister also thinks that there's book material. But I don't know if that's um what I want to do with my time personally. So Anyway, I just wanted to find out what you thought, as I know that one of you had had experience with inheriting your parents' stuff. Now, Ryan, I thought the first thing Ann said when she called in was, I, I want to I talk to you about letting go of parents, <laughs> which I thought that's something that you could talk mm. about. But then she like had a little ellipsis there, and she said, parents stuff and 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 what we're really talking about here are sentimental items the first thing i like to talk about ryan is sentimental items if you're if you're just starting the minimalist journey Mm -hmm. i started the wrong way i started with sentimental items which are the hardest things to let go of yeah and you don't have any momentum if you just start with the most difficult things if you go find the most difficult thing to get rid of in your house you're going to neurose over that forever that's probably not the best place to start but if you've inherited uh, some things from your father, mother, grandparents, whomever you've inherent and you've inherited some sentimental items, or what you perceive to be sentimental items. You've assigned some meaning to them, but you want to let go, as Anne wants to do. There are some things that you can do, some steps you can take to to let go. Yeah, and I want you to live whatever a meaningful life looks like for you. Like I want you to do that, but you got to think about. <clears throat> some of the things that we hold on to, like it keeps us stuck in the past. And it's funny because you, you're making the joke about letting go of parents, mm-hmm. but they're actually something there. And yeah. it's not, it's not letting go of your parents. Like, okay, they're out of my life. Uh, even with like my dad who doesn't talk to me, I have let the idea of the relationship I wish we had. I've let that go, yes. but I still love him and think about him. And uh, I, we got pictures together and there are some, some memories that I certainly hold on to. Yeah. Uh, so you can let go of your parents without letting go of the memories. But it made me think about the, uh, the gal who came up to us. Um, I think it was in Dallas Okay. and she, her her son had passed away Mm. and she talked about how she hasn't touched his room. Oh yeah. This was the Barnes and Noble in 2014. Yeah. I remember this. And it was, I mean, it was such a, I mean, talking about it kind of makes me sad thinking about how she had, she lost her son at, you know, 14 years old or so. I mean, it was a tragic thing. Yeah. When she was talking to us, it had, it had been like five or ten years, yeah, and she hadn't touched anything in that room. Right. It was sort of this this uh, I don't know mausoleum of stuff. Yeah. Which again, like I I just want people to live a meaningful life, and if that's what living a meaningful life for her is, then you know uh, I totally support that. However, I when I look at it from my perspective, if I'm thinking about me, um, that isn't living the most meaningful life because it's it's being stuck in the past and it's and it's just a constant reminder of hurt Mm. and i think it's so important to get over the hurt in fact uh anyone listening to this who's lost a loved one i think they should totally listen to our podcast we did with who's the the um yeah catchatory yeah yeah dr catchatory yeah i don't know what number that is but maybe uh podcast on you can put in the show notes it's a podcast about trauma yeah about trauma and, and that's what, I mean, that's really what, uh, what Anne here is talking about is trauma. That's what the gal in Dallas was talking about. Mm-hmm. Do I sound old when I say gal? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Okay. Um, 
so it's we have to deal with that trauma and the best way to from again this is my perspective the best way to deal with trauma is to let go of it as much as you can so holding on to things that keeps making you relive that trauma to me that doesn't sound like a very meaningful life right yeah and i think the, the holding on is often clinging right yeah. and i think what you're trying to delineate here is sometimes there are things that are worth holding on to right yeah. the sometimes though and actually i would say most of the time in our current culture mm -hmm. we cling and it's it's our it's our default almost to cling. Yeah. Now there are reasons there there are sort of uh, evolutionary reasons that we do this, and you, we can look at our closest ancestors with the chimpanzees and bonobos, and we can explain that. In fact, I, I think we have a question about that for the the maximal episode. But here's what I'll say to Anne uh, practically: a few things. One, Anne, I want to send you a copy of our book, uh, Everything That Remains, before I, I get to some practical tips for you, because if you're dealing with sentimental items, the there's a whole story in here of me dealing with my mom's stuff specifically mm -hmm. and and not just dealing with the stuff but dealing with the sort of trauma associated with letting go of the stuff yeah. but also realizing that you have to let go of what's weighing you down before you can move on and that's what this book and, and specifically the chapter about dealing with my mom's stuff is about it's about confronting not just the stuff but the idea of what that stuff represents. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't some things that I would encourage you to hold on to, but in a different fashion. And you you mentioned the certificates and journals and records, and those are things that you might want to let go of, the physical items, but it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily let go of the the writings that are in there. Yeah. You can have a scanning party, a couple things you can do there. Yeah, I would do one of two things. One is have an actual scanning party, uh, you can see the scanner that Ryan and I use, theminimalists.com slash scanning. We, we wrote a whole essay about the scanning party there. And you can feed all your photographs into it, any certificates, any pieces of paper that you want to scan individually. And you invite some friends over to do that. And when you do that, you start realizing that most of these photos are junk. I'm, there's no way I want to retain most of these. Right. And then some of them you'll feed through there and you talk about the memories that they trigger with other people there. And, and it's also important to have a, a sort of accountability partner throughout this, someone who's a bit more neutral. Yeah. So, also, it's someone you can like relive the memory, like you can talk about the memories with, so yes. it makes it a fun experience too. Exactly. And yeah. so if I were to bring you over, Ryan, you're going to be less attached to the my mom's photographs than I would be attached to them. Yes. And... Uh, I think the same is true with journals and certificates and all of these yeah. other things. It's easier to let go of other people's things. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, and so uh, the last thing I'm going to say here is if you don't want to do the scanning party, there are services where you can send those journals to. And there's a bunch of them out there now. I know $1 scan was one that we used uh, for a while. Yeah. Um, none of whom are, are sponsors of ours. We don't, we don't obviously do that. But you can just you can Google um, the, the different resources for places that will scan. You, basically what you'll do is you'll, you'll send off the journals to them. Mm -hmm. They'll digitize all of them. They'll, they'll upload them for you. They'll, some of them will even send you on a disc or, or whatever you want. Yep. And then they can get rid of the journals for you so you don't even have to do, deal with it. But mm -hmm. then you still have those things that can trigger the memories without having to deal with all of the, the physical yeah. clutter. And then they get rid of the physical stuff for you, which is great. And uh, here's one thing I want to give you. Um, it's going to take a lot of work to do this, but go get a box and start taking items out and like do this thought experiment of how would I feel if this spontaneously combusted? Oh yeah, the spo spontaneous combustion rule. Yeah, and like the thing is, is a lot, a lot of because right now Anne's struggling. She knows she needs to let go. That's why she's asking this question, mm -hmm. and she's looking for advice. She's looking for, I think, permission to let go. Uh, also, um, 
she's looking for tools to help her let go. So I think this is a great tool. Yeah. Yeah. So if if you look at it and you think, oh, like what what would happen if this spontaneously combusted? It will evoke one or two emotions. You'll feel relief, mm-hmm. or you'll feel like some dread. And yeah, I mean that's a good place to start. I'm not saying that you know you should still hold on to every single thing that brings up a little dread when you think about it spontaneously combusting, but it'll help you get rid of some stuff for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you'll realize is you'll feel this uh, this immense sense of relief with that rule. That that's one of the rules in the the 16 rules for mm-hmm. living with less free ebook that you can download as well so and we're going to send you a copy of everything that remains if you want the audiobook version if you like our podcast i think you'll love the audiobook version or if you want the book book or the ebook we're happy to send those to you as well also since you are in los angeles county we rescheduled our entire Lust coast tour for november and i can't wait to do it and get out there and it's our first tour in two years. We've got some amazing special guests on this tour. 16 special guests in total, musical guests, uh, podcast guests. We're going to talk about creativity and minimalism and simplifying and how creativity impacts every area of our life. If you want to find all of our tour dates, you can find those over at theminimalists.com tour. If you don't see your city on there, just uh, sign up for our email list. We'll let you know when we're coming to a city near you. So, and I'll give you a couple couple tickets to our tour stop in November in Los Angeles. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions and comments to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Those texts go straight to both of our phones. And we personally reply to as many as we can. Uh, we tried something just recently, Ryan. Uh, I don't know if you saw the, the, all the responses to this, but there must have been 100 people that text yesterday because... Um, we asked, we just went out on social media and said, hey, and so I'd love to offer this to the podcast audience as well because it was such a fun little experiment. Text us a emoji of the most recent thing that you decluttered. Hmm. And, and so get creative with it. So what's the most recent thing that you decluttered? And people were, I mean, glasses and, and I mean, like eyeglasses and, and eggplants or a lot of eggplants. <laughs> people are just getting rid of eggplants like crazy, Ryan. <laughs> Uh, but now if you text us uh, 937-202-4654, we will respond to you personally, at least to as many people as we can. Also, uh, we'll add you to our Monday morning minimal maxim. So every Monday, we, we start your week off with a little bit of simple living advice, a Monday morning minimal maxim to you. Of course, we'll never send you spam or junk or, or advertisements or anything like that. Ryan, what, uh, what question we got? We got a question from Mona. I have a small box that contains old letters and photos that I cannot throw away. Should I establish a rule that says... I can have this little box, but nothing more. I mean, I, I, I kind of like that rule. Um, the uh, the problem is sometimes you might need more than what's in that box, yeah. right? And and then sometimes what's in that box might be too much as well. <laughs> what's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have decluttered that for sure. <laughs> um, so uh, if I look at if I look at you know setting up a rule like that the problem with rules and we even acknowledge this in in the minimalist rule book is rules are arbitrary and sometimes they're boring but sometimes they're helpful but be willing to adjust those rules accordingly identifying what is enough for you right now and that box might be enough for you but in the future it might be too much Mm -hmm. and so my pithy answer is the material possessions aren't the problem our attachment is the problem Mm -hmm. i've got one more pithy answer for you it's just three words attachment is suffering sounds like something the buddha would say <laughs> right i mean there's something in there like i, I don't know if it's a uh, there, there's some uh, buddhist equivalent to that but there, there's something uh, about attachment that really does 
in, in fact, uh, again, I got to another argument with our editor because he's talking about like, you know, one of the rules I live my life by is my willingness to walk away yeah. from anything, including the people closest to me. Yeah. And he was just, I mean, in fact, his notes on, on this were like, I hate this section. And I'm like, well, um, it's the rule. It's the, if I were to pick one rule that I live my life by, it's this rule. Yeah. It's one of the rules in the rule book, but it's, it's a willingness to walk away from anything actually strengthens my relationships because what is, what is the, the opposite? It's pious placation. Right. It's like, well, I, I guess I'm obligated to be with Ryan. And so I have to show up here every Tuesday. Who wants to do that? Yeah. I would rather want, I want to show, I look forward to showing up and seeing you on Tuesdays when we record these. Yeah. And, and that's better than being like, well, I guess we have to, I have to be in this relationship or I have to do this. No. And, and by the way, I got this rule uh, from two places. One is um, a negative visual, visualization that the Stoics talk about where they talk about well, what's the sort of worst thing that could happen. Well, you, you could die today, Ryan. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, th that make, making me visualize that makes me appreciate the fact that you're here so much more. And then also the movie Heat. Mm. When uh, Robert De Niro's character Neil McCauley was like, uh, "Never bring anything into your life that you're that you're not willing to walk away uh, from in thirty seconds flat." Yeah. And while I I I I don't say I would walk away from anything in thirty seconds flat, I, I do think it a willingness to walk away from anything means that you you really maintain the things that are truly important in I your life. I feel like it's a superpower, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a difficult one to maintain. Yeah. Um. You know, I, before I read my pithy answer here, it makes me think about my car and how if I really try to drudge up the memory and, like, think about letting that car go, I, it could still be painful. Sure. So it doesn't mean that it's easy. Right. Um, but after, you know, doing this for however many years we've been doing this, I can let go of something and uh, and, and not sit there and, and neurose over it. My pithy answer is this. Make rules for yourself only if they help you be a better person. So Mona, that's what it comes down to, right? Like what is going to help you be a better person? Is it the one box of stuff? Is it two boxes of stuff? Is it a storage locker full of stuff? It's probably not the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the question that uh, How do you Mona... How she has a ladder? <laughs> Everyone's got a ladder. You don't have a ladder? <laughs> no. Oh. Hmm. You need a ladder dealer. <laughs> <laughs> Grab, I have to buy my my sixth just in case. I actually got rid of a ladder, <laughs> but I'm really tall, so yeah, it's that's, fine. That's true. You don't need a ladder. Um, yeah, I mean that's the question that Mona needs to ask, or anyone else listening to this who ha who is having trouble of letting go of things is what's going to help you be a better person. All right. Well, before we get into our added value segment, Ryan, which I think we're going to like today, and our listener tips, which are really good today as well, uh, we have a bunch more surprise questions and a bunch of other things to talk about this week. Like, I get this whole minimalist thing, but I got so many questions. But but there was like this controversy around sentimental items. Like, were mean or cruel or rude or awful people or terrible human beings? What crazy wanting... projections? Because yeah. this is about. These are our opinions. Yeah, yeah. This is this is an op-ed. We've been doing a 10-year op-ed. <laughs> so we're going to address some of these controversies as well. Also, um, what do we do with sentimental items that were gifted to us? And we're going to discuss seven questions to help you let go of sentimental items. Plus, we'll answer a bunch more questions and criticisms we received this week. Also, Bex and I both tested positive for COVID-19. We're going to talk about that. And if you want to hear all that, let's uh, let's listen to this week's Maximal episode. So 
episode on the Minimalist Private Podcast. It's just a couple bucks, and it's the most honest way for this podcast to earn an income because, you know, we don't believe in advertisements. Advertisements suck. So we make money only if you find value in and support what we create. Thank you so much if you are a supporter of this podcast. Head on over to theminimalists.com slash support to subscribe and get your personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. Ryan, what else you got for us this week? Here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Hi, my name's Morgan. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm calling in regards to um, someone who asked about their camping gear and having all that stuff like in their house and wanting to minimize it. Um, one option that we actually have in Milwaukee is the Urban Ecology Center. It's a nonprofit, and um, this group you donate $35 a year as a single person, and it really just goes towards keeping the nonprofit going. They try and get community involvement and education around um, the environment and preserve the wildlife within Milwaukee. Um, but the awesome thing about them is that they uh, offer free camping gear and uh, kayaks and bikes, like anything that you want to rent. You can rent for up to three days or longer if you get special requests. Um, I'm sure they're not the only city that there's an option like this out there. So just something to keep in mind that there might be even like community groups in the area that help you have access to those items but not have to have them in your own home. Hi, this is Bethany from Maine. I started minimizing earlier this year when I was pregnant. My son is now six months old. After much deliberation, I decided to start a small memory box for him, as I have enjoyed having some items from my childhood growing up, and this may add value to his life at some point. I will save a few items, such as his, as his hospital bracelet, birth announcement, and a baby outfit. As he gets older, he can decide if he wants to contribute any items to his box but any saved items have to fit in the bin. The important thing is that I don't attach sentiment to these items and project my own emotions on my son. He will decide what adds value. When he is an adult, he can choose to keep some, all, or no items. I will allow him to make this choice with no guilt or expectations on my part. All right, y'all. For our added value this week, Ryan, you've seen Better Call Saul, oh right? God, dude. Have you seen the fifth season yet? Yeah. I just finished it. Now, now here's here's why I, I I've been it's watching so it. So good. Now, Bex and I are rewatching. Well, I, I'm rewatching. Bex had never seen Breaking Bad, and so I like Better Call Saul better than Breaking Bad. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, okay. Breaking Bad is considered like this classic TV show, one of the top five took, of all time. Took me a season and a half to get into it, and the only reason I watched it is because I broke my back. And I couldn't do anything but be in bed for those six weeks. Breaking backs. Breaking backs. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to sit here and watch Breaking Bad. And I had already watched the first season. So I started with season two and I got into it. I'm like, oh, like I could see. Yeah. I but think it's, it, it starts coming together. Be, uh, but here's, at, here's, the, the season two. here's the freaking arc of Breaking Bad, though. Uh, you know, uh, Walter White does something good. Jesse screws it up. Walter White has to fix it. And then it's just like eight seasons of that. Well, I mean, I, yeah, it's, I think it's five seasons. Or five right? seasons, whatever. Well, that's a weird thing. So Better Call Saul is five seasons in now, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, the reason I'm recommending it right now, I knew you had seen Breaking Bad, and I didn't know about Better, Better Call Saul. I think Better Call Saul is a better film. I'm really glad they filmed it in Albuquerque because Albuquerque, Albuquerque sort of becomes one of the, the characters or shapes yeah. the character of the Dude, show. Dude, that episode uh, in Better Call Saul in the desert, I have never... I have had to like go drink water because I was thirsty. Yes, for the, like they do. It is such a. It is so well directed, and the yeah the the filming is beautiful and yeah like again like it made me feel like I was in the desert with them. It was it was crazy. If you've never been to New Mexico, 
it's the only way I can describe the sky there. It's not like any of the other states around it, it even, even though the states around it are beautiful. But New Mexico, the sky is like in, in Technicolor HD. It's mm-hmm. it's a different sky in really New is. Mexico in particular. Yeah. Santa Fe and Albuquerque and, and the surrounding areas. It's been several years since we've been there. We filmed part of our first documentary, Minimalism, in Albuquerque. Yeah. And... Um, and I just, there's something about that that state that I just I really enjoy. There, there's there's an essence there, mm-hmm. and they capture it really well in Breaking Bad. But Better Call Saul is the show that I, I think Vince Gilligan, the show creator, he's given some leeway because there's some things you couldn't do if you were just a new showrunner uh, mm-hmm. type of person because you you wouldn't be given that leeway to have these long pauses and these drawn out moments of tension yeah. that really creates. I mean, it's. And the way the cameras are, most of them are, are handheld. I, yeah. I know Jordan's a, a totally adverse to holding a camera in his hand, <laughs> but um, it's like a union rule or something with him. <laughs> but uh, there's something about the, 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 the shots in that show, and Jordan could actually tell me a whole lot more about it than, than I even know, but a lot of the shots are, uh, it's handheld. Even there yeah. around a conference table, you see there's this, this slight shaking, and, and it, there's something about it. There's this essence, this rawness. And anyway, better, better Call Saul, I just finished the fifth season. Bex and I are in the middle of watching, I think we're in the third season, I can't binge anything. I, I get really tired down. at night. Yeah. So me binging is like one and a half episodes. <laughs> so it takes us months and months and months to finish a show. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've been watching it. And I got confused because I, I was watching Better Call Saul. And I'm like, have you been introduced to this character? And, and it, Because it happens in the same universe. But Better Call Saul could just be called Breaking Bad too. Because it is the story of, yeah. of Jimmy... Uh, Jimmy going from bad, good to bad. He's breaking bad, right? Yeah. And and really, that you see that in all these characters. And what it made me realize, Ryan, is we we all have that capacity. We're, uh, we're all several decisions away from being mm. Walter White, right? Oh yeah, sure. And, and maybe it's not us cooking meth, right? Uh, but I, there's this podcast I sent you with. I'm trying to get Matt Cox on the podcast he like committed all this sort of mortgage fraud back in the the oddies mm. and it's the most he's like the james bond of mortgage fraud huh. and uh, what i was telling bax is like look i'm two decisions away from being matt cox and going to prison for 20 years or right. whatever like not because that's something i would do now but he made two additional bad decisions that i didn't make and so we're all this amalgam of good and bad and i try to write about this in in the new book we have coming out where you know there's a whole chapter about telling the truth and and some of the trouble that you and i got into in our teens and 20s mm-hmm. and 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 it allows us in a way to have compassion for other people because you and i aren't perfect and i think that's what i want people to get out of this whole episode we're talking about memories um you and I have held on to things for a long time. We decided to let go too late. We clung to things for far too long. Mm-hmm. And in the future, there'll be things that we accidentally cling to, and we have to we have to check ourselves. We're still imperfect, mm-hmm. but it's about making those good decisions today and tomorrow and going forward. Because you you alluded to this earlier, Ryan. We can't go back and and change the past, and we certainly shouldn't cling to that past either. It wasn't until season five of Better Call Saul that I realized Saul Goodman was. It's all good, man. <laughs> it took me 10 seasons of this to realize what his name was. Yeah. Like yeah. what it meant. Yeah. Also, um, our friend Lita Wise, Ryan's friend Lita Wise, um, ha- he's a very talented musician, has a new song out. Do you remember the name of it? Oh, I, he, man. I even got his record. He sent me a re- signed record. I think it's Victims of the Night. 
It is. It Speaking is. Speaking of memories. It is victims of the night. Yeah. I yeah. Have, right. I have a photogenic memory. You do, man. You do. <laughs> you know, I've actually. It's not photographic, but it looks really good in photos. Am I minimalist if I get a record player? No. No. It, it's rule number 17. <laughs> uh, actually, so, Sean, I, you can't yell at us for this if we play out with Lita Wise. So he's given us permission to play it, right? We even have the email from him. And so let's play out today at the very end of this episode with Lita Wise's song, Victims of so the Night. It's a really good brand new song from Lita Wise. Real quick for right here, right now. Here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists. A new month is right around the corner. It's almost here. And of course, that means a new opportunity to play the 30-day minimalism game. You can download the 30-day minimalism game calendar. It's a free calendar over at theminimalists.com game. If you don't know how the game works, I'm not going to explain it to you right now. Just check it out over there, theminimalists.com game. Join tens of thousands of other people who are sharing their photos online. They're getting rid of stuff throughout the month. And whoever plays the longest throughout the month wins check it out theminimalists.com slash game download your free calendar over there as well tell them what they win josh <laughs> um a set of steak knives <laughs> <laughs> ryan third prize is you're fired <laughs> All right, you can follow The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalists. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. Comment on, on this episode, youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. You'll also get our simple Sunday emails. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. <laughs>